All right, we're live. We're live. We're live. All right. So, what's up, guys? Welcome to like the first episode of our new podcast, Finance and Vibe. Is there my guys, OC, the man with the plan? Before we, (laughs) my brother right here. (laughs) You feel what's good, guys? How you doing, man? We're chilling. We're chilling. We're chilling. That's what's up. That's what's up. Even though me as OC, yes. but y'all can call me David on this podcast. Though. All right, so David, all right, yeah, my name's Joseph, so we just keep it formal. Lucky yeah, yeah, formal. yeah, you can call lucky me David. Lucky verse, lucky verse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just do, like, a brief introduction. Like, um, so I thought to you first, like, what was your introduction to, like, finance yeah. um, and investing and things? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, let, let's introduce. We'll go around. Let's go introduce ourselves first. But if I introduce yourself first, and then well, and just guys, tell us. I'm currently a quantitative analyst. I'm highly into investment right now. You know, doing some long-term investments, some trading, some trying to get into real estate, and like that's pretty much it. You know, I'm just trying, a young man trying to make sure I'm financially free, trying to hit the millionaire mark before I turn thirty. So yes, that's sir. The hustle right now, you know. I can see David. What's up, bro? Joe, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, so my background is actually in computer science, which is actually a hedge to my initial like um plans. I'm relatively new to investing compared to you guys, so I kind of got introduced to investing through Ife because Ife day trades. And I yeah. was just, I just love seeing like the emotions with Ife. You feel me? Like one day is red, Ife is going crazy, the next day is green, he's happy yeah. and stuff. So, like, that was my introduction. Also, with my parents, like, obviously, Nigerian parents, they drill like financial, personal finance into your head, saving things yeah. like that. Then I read like the book, Intelligent Investor. So, those, mm-hmm. those are like my introduction into the things. So, compared to you guys, I'm relatively new. But like I'm enjoying the process so far. So that's what's up. You know, we, we we have to talk about that on Sunday. I don't know if we have time today, but like do Nigerian yeah, yeah. parents do Nigerian parents really give us enough gems for personal finances? The reason I ask that question though is because sometimes it's like I don't feel like they really let us in. Like I, for most of my friends, at least, who let me, their parents are business doing business. Or that my, my dad was a businessman. And sometimes yeah. I feel like there's still a lot of things that I wish he had let me in on that I would have learned. Yeah. Rather than having to learn on my own, but I mean that—that's a sidetrack. But yeah, let me, let me introduce myself. Uh, they call me OC. Um, they call me OC means options connoisseur. Funny, that's my Twitter <laughs> name. But they call me David. It, it's really up to y'all. But um, yeah, I've been investing since 2016, so way before the whole Robin Hood craze in 2020, which is good. I love to see more people into investing. I just wish people would be more um, do their due diligence and like you know take it step by step. But uh. Yeah, investing into stock market, uh, investing into um, options. I do options trading. I do not day trade. I used to day trade early years, but I found I'm more profitable swing trading. So I do medium term, short term, and very long term swings. So I do like up to a year, two year swings, um, three to six months. And then sometimes when I say short term, I'll do like maybe two to four weeks um, swing swing options on um, plays. So we can get a, a, a bit more into that, like difference between swing trading, scalp trading, day trading, and so on. Um, yeah, and yeah, I invest in real estate as well. I'm, I'm a I own rental properties, uh, Airbnb, and uh, I do like uh, invest in startups, private equity investing, and um, 
I try. I, I invest in almost everything, man. I invest in whatever, whatever That's can make me money, whatever can make me money legally, and is a good investment, and the returns make sense. I'm in there, so. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. All right, so let's go into like just basic one-on-one finance and stuff like that, like um the different brokerages you could pick or brokerage accounts you could open, and like mm-hmm. what are like the things you look at or like to pick a different brokerage account. <clears throat> if you want to go ahead. Oh yeah, no problem. Like me personally, when I'm too like right now, I use Fidelity and Webull. The reason I used to use TD Ameritrade and Robinhood, but the reason I stopped using Robinhood was because they didn't have any charting. I started Robinhood in 20, I don't know, I started Robinhood when I was still in Nigeria, but now they're going like a, a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, you know, shit on anybody business or anything, but like, yeah, I'm just staying away from Robinhood. TD is a good brokerage, but like, I haven't been using them so actively because they've been going through so many outages. So, like, me personally, if you're picking a, a broker, you need to find someone that, you know, that even if the market is going to be, like, very volatile in the morning, that you're not going to be frozen out. Like, right. for instance, today, a couple, during the election period where the stock market flew, like, two to three points that morning, like, all the brokerages were down. You couldn't buy or sell. So, like, you need to find a broker that's going to be stable in those kind of conditions. That's why I use Fidelity. Right. And Weeple is good for, like, charting. You can do some technical analysis, this and that. So I use Weeble as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, mine is simple. I actually, I use the first two that Ife actually says he, he, you know, he moved away from. And um, I think for me, you know, as a swing trader, I'm not really into. I'll give pros. So let, let's let's back up. What are the brokerages I use? Yeah. I use Robinhood. I use Robinhood and TD Ameritrade. Um, Thinkorswim, particularly under TD Ameritrade. Um, I've been using this for the past four years. So I guess it's one of those things where I'm just resistant to change. I'm well aware of their issues. And um, I love Webull. I've actually like checked out Webull. Webull is really good. In fact, if I'm to say what's my favorite among those I've seen, Webull has amazing data. They give you level two data, level three data. Um, they also like uh, send you like um, trade or plays, like maybe from high momentum stocks that like, give you like play option, which, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I think amongst all the three, I mentioned, I think they're the best in terms of like giving you like play options. It's almost like they've built like a community where you can even see other people recommending plays and like, so it's, it's really, really cool. I, li- I like Webull. Again, if I'm to say in terms of as a new trader, if you're not necessarily like having your own watch list or you want like play options or recommendations, I'll say Webull is the best that I've seen. Um, TD Ameritrade doesn't really give any. Robinhood can like show you like, oh, the highest tickers and lowest tickers. But I like, say in terms of like, People recommend it. And also TradingView is something people underestimate. It's not a brokerage, but it's, a, it's just an app. So if you look at mm-hmm. TradingView, so I, I'm going to try and pull it up on my phone. But if you look at TradingView, there's something that they have. Now, most times, this is especially if you trade Forex and you trade, because um, unfortunately, most of the things I've seen is Forex, but there are other trade um, options. But if you look at TradingView, there's a tab on there there that's called ideas. And you can just see trading ideas. So for instance, a lot of people are talking about like Bitcoin now. So like you can see like, yeah. Um, patterns, trade patterns for Bitcoin, like, okay, what are some support resistance levels? And again, if you've traded Forex, most of the posts I see there under the popular tab is, is Forex. So, okay. but you can screen it. You can, you can follow certain people and you can like see people who trade predominantly like um, um, crypto, you can follow them, so on and so forth. So I like trading view too, but again, it's not an exchange. I'm just giving you ideas where you can get trading. Also, you can have scanners. You have your own scanner. There's one 
scanner that I use. Um, actually, Trader Stewie on Twitter sent it a few years ago, and it's the scanner that I've stuck with. But in terms of my watch list, I sort of like do my own research. I do my own due diligence and so on and so forth. But then going back to the brokerage question, I use I separate my long-term investments from my trading account. My long-term investments are on my um, Thinkorswim platform. And when I say long-term investments, I'm talking five to 10 years investments. I'm talking like, okay, the stock market should come today and say that they're closed for the next five to 10 years. What are the stocks that I'm holding? That's my long-term investment. And then my trading account is um, basically what I used to swing trade, whether it's options, um, puts, calls, and uh, even trade swing trading stocks and so on. So that's what Robin had. All right. Yeah, um, I started with Robinhood because obviously it's free, and we're just finding out on the back end the things they do to make like the platform free. So that's been a red flag for me on my end. Yeah. But right now, it's pretty much Robinhood and um, Tinkerswim, pretty much those two. Tinkerswim for like long term and stuff, like you said. Robinhood, just because it's easy, like they gamified it. So it wasn't like you didn't have to think too much. You just you know what I'm yeah. saying? Just get what you want to do. So those are like the two I use. I've looked at Webull a little bit, um, but I haven't worked with Webull and stuff like that. Yeah. So Robin is, so that's the thing. So there's a thing I want people to understand about Robin, which is the real truth. And it's something that people need to know. Robin is not free. Even when they say the commissions is free, their execution time exactly. is very poor. So compared to, if, if you've traded on Thinkorswim versus Robin and you just see how poor Robin's execution time is. And most times mm -hmm. you're buying more expensive than you would. So I'll say for large trades, I even, even if I know I don't, my large trades, even though I know it's a trade, sometimes I'll do yeah. it on Thinkorswim because I know I could get a better entry versus mm -hmm. Robinhood. And, you know, people don't, makes sense. people underestimate your entry price, but it adds up. It adds up. Like if you keep mm -hmm. getting poor entries because of poor execution, it adds yeah. up. And so I know that, and I know it's something that they do because that's how they make their money. Like they give you a poor yeah. execution, they probably execute it at a better price and they take the margin. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the back end stuff on Robinhood is a lot. You gotta look into that if you're gonna yeah. work with them. Yeah. Um, so once you fund your account, right? Whatever brokerage you're using, mm -hmm. let's talk about like the assets you could get, like the assets you could buy, stocks, ETFs, bond, OC love options. So like, we'll just talk about like those different things. Um, Let's start with stocks. Um, can we like just explain stocks to the people that don't understand on what it is and stuff like that? Sure. If you want to take that one, you want to take it. Oh, you can take it, bro. All right. So stocks. Stocks is just simply, I mean, although these days nobody's really buying to have voting rights and ownership, people are just buying <laughs> to trade the price swing. But in, in, in a fundamental level, a unit of stock is an is a way of, buying equity into a publicly traded company, right? Um, it's uh, It gives you voting rights depending, well, it depends on the shares, but most most stocks, all stocks give you voting rights, um, on the, at least on the publicly traded market, it gives you voting rights, um, you know, however little. And it's a- it's What do just you mean voting rights, real quick? What do you mean voting rights? So, I mean, like, you know how there's shareholder meetings. Um, mm -hmm. So they decide on so voting rights in terms of like the executive leadership team, so part of voting rights is the board and so on. So, yeah, so you vote the board and, you know, whether it's even like whether a company decides whether they want to change their dividends or decide to not pay dividends. These are all like things that go into voting rights. So, and so sometimes you could uh, 
you could decide to essentially give it so that sometimes even though you work for your company and you work, you're invested in your 401k, for instance, and you invest in certain companies in your 401k, you see you receive a letter at the end of the year says, hey, are you signed to give away your voting rights under this uh, group so that they vote on your behalf and so on and so forth. So yeah, just just in the fundamental level, especially if you own a lot of shares, so that's why they call the majority owners, minority owners, yeah. Um, you get voting rights in a company. and um, But in, in the fundamental level, it's just a way to have ownership in a company and have equity in a company. There are different types uh, of ownership, but that's that's what a stock is. All right. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so most guys are investing in stocks, individual stocks right now. Right. Um, that's like the trend. Let's go into ETFs. I don't think it's as famous as uh-huh. lots of people don't like trade ETFs or buy ETFs and stuff like that. Let's explain that a little bit and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So um, an ETF is an, um, I, I don't know, is it exchange trader fund, electronically trader fund. I don't know. It alternates yeah. the, the acronym, but an ETF is basically, the way I look at it is um, it's a congregate. It, it's pretty much just like a congregate of stocks or just, um, uh, it's, it's a fund really. So it's a, it could be a blended fund. It's a fund that tracks an indices. So, for instance, if you look at the S&P 500 ETF, um, SPY, it tracks the S&P 500. And so the idea is that it's not actively managed. It is just a fund um, that um, automatically tracks an indices. And the, good, the advantage of ETF is you can buy and sell at any time. Obviously, mm-hmm. I can buy SPY now and sell it the next second. The price changes with market it's not like one fixed price for the day one fixed entry price for the day or one fixed selling price for the day and i'm making this analogies because obviously you have etfs on one hand and then you have mutual funds on the other and so mutual funds is um a bit different it's not just it, it is a fund just like a etf however it is actively managed um there's a fund manager and that's part that's part of the premiums you pay um, there's quarterly reports or it could be annual reports, however w- much the frequency the fund issues. And um, yeah, it's actively managed on unlike ETFs that you can just buy and sell, much like a stock at any time. Um, you can't. So you there's a fixed selling price for the day. There's a fixed buying price for the day. Price doesn't fluctuate yeah. your entry price. Um, so it, yeah, so that's the, the primary difference I'll see between ETFs and mutual funds. That said, though, there is an yeah. ETF that is changing the game because it's a very good blend of um, to, to know more about this, check out my Patreon because I talk about this a little bit. But it's a very yeah. good blend of ETFs and mutual funds. It's called the ARK ETF. The ARK ETF, um, Kathy Woods and her team, That's um, she's, the C, she's the founder and C, CEO and CIO. She's the chief investment officer and chief executive officer of the, the ARC group. So they have ARC Invest ETF. So there's the ARC F, ARC Q. So they have the technology ETF, innovation, FinTech. Um, they're invested in stocks like Tesla, SQ. You can see like their investments. You go to ARC Invest, just Google ARC Invest. You see their website, you can look at their different ETFs and see what their current portfolio is. Yeah. There's, there's also like a pages on Twitter that tracks their ARC buys daily. So it's an actively managed ETF. Again, remember I said ETF is supposed to be not actively managed, but just um, tracking indices. But actually, I think, I'm not sure if they're the first, but I know they're definitely the most popular, but they're an actively managed ETF, which is unique and new. They don't just simply track an indices. 
And but unlike mutual funds, with you can go on Robinhood or every brokerage, you can buy and sell Arc F at any time. So it's not like a mutual fund where you have to sell at the end of the day after 4 p.m. and you sell at a certain price. No, you can buy and sell as, as uh, you know at any time. So it's a very yeah, good yeah. blend of ETF and mutual fund. It's actually one of my favorite. I'm personally invested in the RKF. I'm bullish on that right. long term fintech, and you know they're invested yeah. in SQ and others. So. Yeah, I personally haven't done anything with ETFs. Um, Ife, have you done anything with ETFs? Have you played with it? Oh yeah, I love my ETFs. So like in my long-term portfolio, I have like the ARCs that David mentioned. I have ARCF, RQ. Yeah. I think I have RQ. I know like this last couple of weeks where it died, a lot of them are like below 100. I'm trying to get in because I believe that in the future, you know. Uh-huh. She would be. Apparently, she's the invest, investor goat. So I'm out here trying to ride a wave. You understand? And then, uh-huh, just yeah. like, if you're investing in trading, you need to know about S and P 500 because I mean, the market moves when the S and P 500 moves. And like, the market is like a multiplier based off the S and P 500. So if uh-huh. SPY drops like one percent, you can expect stocks to fall like two three percent that day on average. If SPY goes up two percent, you can expect stocks to move like four, five, six percent on average. So like you, I mean, as an investor or a trader, you need to know a, a thing about ETFs and how they're weighted. Like we have different weightings for ETFs. I mean, I learned a lot of this in school as well, but like we have different weightings for ETFs. Like we have revenue-based ETFs. We have weight-based ETFs. So like there's a lot to know about when you're looking at the whole ETF aspect. And then like, just like there's junk stocks and you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, that we call gems, they're junk ETFs. Like, for instance, I mean, I don't know, anybody can put out an ETF these days. Like, their ETF yeah. stocks now. I was is actually it, guessing it, the ETF. Isn't the, isn't the founder of Barstool putting one out? It's called uh, yeah. Buzz. Yeah, Buzz. Yeah, 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 Buzz. I heard he had it before and it tanked, and now he's bringing it back. So it's like, you got to know who ETF you're invested in, whose companies. Yeah. No, but, but check this out, though. Let's talk about that. Like, yo, I think that is, people are giving him so much <laughs> shit. And I think that's so brilliant. Like, yo, he is coming out with, he is coming out with an ETF. Because, I mean, we, we, cannot, un, we cannot underestimate the power of retail investors now. Uh, retail sure. investors like for the first time like investing used to be this game that was like almost like exclusively for the wealthy yeah, yeah for the and, insiders right robin Hood, give as much shit i don't give a damn what anybody see everybody's giving so much shit to robin Hood now because like they just joined investing and but they don't understand for those of us who started investing in 2016 opening my td ameritrade account in 2016 was a pain <laughs> it was hell it was ridiculous as a college student it was ridiculous yeah, and like the 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 barriers, like just how difficult they made. Even getting verified for options trading took months. Like wow. it was ridiculous. Robinhood like democratized democratized the whole investing game because a lot of these exchanges saw like, listen, if we want to compete, we have to appeal to the retail traders and stop like trying to put these barriers to entry. And so of course we have Webull, we have all these other guys that are coming out and building a Robin. And of course, if Robin wants to stay competitive, they need to improve their charting game. Sure. I get that. No, for sure. Let, let's, let's criticize them, but people need to understand the role Robin Hood played 
And because of that, there's a lot of retail investors. The power, like, yo, look at GameStop, look at AMC, look at, look at all this. Yeah, January, January was fire. I can't yo, lie. there's a, even now, GameStop, GameStop is still running. Like, the power of retail investors, for them to blow out Melvin Capital, their short yeah. position, that is, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is amazing. They have a documentary coming out on Hulu, and I can't wait to watch that. because that, Yeah, Hulu is coming. No, was it Hulu or who is it? I think it's going to be on Hulu. I think so. But you know what it's called? It's called GameStop documentary. What happened with GameStop or something like that. The documentary is oh, okay. coming out. But I cannot wait for that buzz ETF because they actually showed that if you track like the but the ETF, although it's not live now, it would have outperformed the S&P 500 by a ton. But then again, what That's I would crazy. say though, what I would say is you need to realize we're in a very bull market. We're in a very bubble phase of the market right now. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not always gonna be like this. I tell all my patrons. So I have a platform where I talk about investing, right? And I consult with people. And I tell my patrons it's not always gonna be like this, though. But yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about like other like assets you could like we could um buy and sell. Yeah. Like um like you just said right now we're in a bubble face of the market and like yeah. it's bullish right now. Um, whenever I talk to like older investors or older guys that have gone through, like, different cycles and stuff like that. Yeah. Compared to, like, millennials right now that are getting into the market. And yeah. everybody thinks they're geniuses right now. You get right, what I'm saying? Right, you make right. a play, everything's up. Like, you think you're good and stuff like that. Yes, what would you say to that? Like, how do you, like, um, balance it out and be smart and do your due diligence and stuff like that? Okay. So... Um, there's, there's definitely a way to balance out and make sure you're not overexposed. So there are different things. Like for me, one thing I definitely look at is beta. So you look at the, the weighted beta of your portfolio. So look at the percentage of your portfolio multiplied by that. So if you don't know what a beta is, a beta is just, it's a, it's a Greek letter beta. It's, um, it's a, if you go to Yahoo finance, you see every ticker will have a beta. It's just a way of measuring your volatility of your stock relative to the market. So for instance, a beta of one means that it moves one-to-one with the market. A beta of two, you can say it's two times as volatile as the market. A beta of 0.5 means it's half as volatile as the market. So think of beta as a volatility check to see how volatile you are compared to the market. Now, people have different things. There's nothing wrong with having um, high beta stocks. I mean, sometimes in a bull market, you want to um, cap, 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 capitalize on that, right? So if the market goes up, you probably would get on, not exactly, but on average, maybe twice the returns because it's twice as volatile. But something to keep in mind is that um, when the market goes down, you could also go down twice as hard, right? Yeah. And so beta is just a gut check. And there's something called the grid, the greedy slash, um, 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 it's called the greed factor. It's like an indicator. It's actually something that I check daily. You would Google it, the greed, stock market greed factor. It's like a thing, it's like almost like a radar that shows you how greedy. So the whole idea is um, when the stock market is really greedy, you want to be conservative. Because mm. I want the stock market is not as greedy. So on the other side, you probably want to be a bit more bullish yeah, and greedy. Yeah. Right. And so the idea is that when the stock market gets towards the greedy range, you probably want to rebalance your portfolio and um, make sure your beta is not as high. So that's one way to do. So that's fundamental investing as well. So understand fundamental investing. In fact, the idea that there are people investing right now without having understood like EPS, equity per share, PE ratios, um, read the financial statements, understand what a company's 10K is. If other people are investing without understanding, that scares me because I'm just like, so how do you know what you have in your portfolio is a good investment? Like, how do you know 
that this is has great long-term growth that how do you know like it, it's 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 good to definitely know okay i'm bullish on e-commerce i'm bullish on fintech i'm bullish on tesla because of electric vehicles but you need to understand why and it's not just enough to be bullish on a sector and just be bullish on the popular name you need to also look at yeah. financials especially if they have like a long-term track uh, financial record and see okay is this a company i should be bullish on all right, so this all is, right. Those are just certain ways you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of like questions or like ways we could like just diverge from what we just had, but we we'll just try to stay on track a little bit. We'll get back to like talking about those things. Um, so let's go ahead and like talk about bonds and commodities. Um, if mm-hmm. you want to like talk about bonds, commodities. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I take that, bro, okay, I, don't, I don't do much for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Nobody. I don't really trade bonds, but like I can yeah. give a deep overview because I'm I'm not really a bond trader. I just prefer to hold cash as a hedge yeah. against you know ninety percent stocks and I put my raising ten percent in cash. Yeah. Like bonds are basically like I would say they're they're loans backed by an agreement. Like you can have a bond from a government, you can have a bond from a company. So like let's say you want to buy a bond, you're basically buying you're basically lending out your money to a company who is guaranteeing you that they're going to pay you back by a certain date and like there are different types of bonds that pay you like a lump sum at the end or they pay you like interval by interval so a lot of people use bonds as like uh a way to generate cash period to period so like you could buy a bond that pays you a set amount every other period or just at the end of your period and the thing about bonds are I won't say they're they're inverted to the stock market, but like in many cases where the stock market is pumping, bonds tend to go down in value because people use bonds as a hedge as well. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I had a couple bonds in my portfolio when the market started booming. Like you know, the market's been booming for a couple months now, mm-hmm. and one day I'll just check my uh, my bonds and you see they're down five percent, down six percent, down seven percent, and I'm like, okay. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not really in bonds. Cause I'm like, yes, people use bonds as like a hedge for inflation as well. I mean, people also use treasury bills and things like that, but like, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, it's not really a popular investment between the retail traders these days. That's what I yeah. Also rates are down, right? So the, the, the feds rates are down. So that means even like the premiums you're getting for your bonds are not as high. So for most investors, the opportunity cost is just to invest in the stock market and make way more money. Also, like, screw bonds. Invest in Bitcoin. I like that position. What's, that's what's up. <laughs> Yo, that's one, one, day, one day we got to talk about Bitcoin in full and talk about why I'm right. so bullish on yeah, it. Let's, let's talk about commodities then. Commodities, commodities yeah. is like gold and silver. I don't, I don't. The oil. Does, I mean, does no, Bitcoin, does Bitcoin, like, could you say Bitcoin's a commodity? No. I mean, wait, mm. but like, according to the IRS. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Kind of classified as a commodity in a way. It's not. Because you get taxed every time it changes ownership, just like the same way you get taxed every time you change ownership of gold. Yeah. It's it's it's, still, trans, it's transcended. It's transcended. Transcended. Let's talk about gold. Let's talk, I mean, gold is just uh, gold is um, 
Gold is analog version of sound money principles. And the whole idea is that there's the scarcity, there's the general acceptance and consensus of value. And there's the fact that it is a way to exchange value as well from one person to another. And it's, um, it's verifiable. Of course, we know that gold can be verified, uh, whether it's, you know, experts, chemically, um, it's, um, it's, it's not, it, well, it is, it is immutable because you can't, in the sense that you cannot, um, cannot just create gold. Well, you can, but it's, it's not going to be true or real gold. So, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it's, okay. it's, huh? Like you can do gold plating. I guess you could technically make it in the, well, like no. is, it, is, is, it, is this, I don't think there's even such a thing. As a, there might be, I don't know. But the, the, for the most part, it, it, it takes a lot of boxes in terms of like, being a store of value. And so that's why people, also mm. people use gold because people use gold as a hedge. People, most times you see people buying gold as a hedge to inflation. So most times you see people um, running towards gold. So you say, for instance, during the whole stimulus, everybody will say like, hey, buy gold, go to your, go to your pawn shop, um, pick up some gold. Because the idea is that um, as inflation, it's the same thing that happens during the Great Depression, right? As yeah. inflation goes up and um, fiat currency, so cash it gets the value people will run towards like precious metals and things that are better store values and so that's like gold and so on and also uh, that yeah. also leads to bitcoin and a lot of people keep saying bitcoin is digital gold gold 2.0 um so as well i said gold was analog version bitcoin could be viewed as a digital version of some money principles and um i can go we can go into a lot of data about digital versus analog and why andrew's more bullish on digital but you can just think about it as also another good hedge to inflation. And I talked about verifiable, immutable, digital. Um, Bitcoin is more immutable because of the hash function in the cryptography. Mm -hmm. crypt that's why it's called cryptocurrency hash function, right? So if you change, you try to change the input of a transaction, you drastically change the output. And because it's a um, blockchain, so yeah. each block subsequently contains information from the previous block, you try to change the output on one transaction, it affects the subsequent blocks. The people running nodes will see it. It's a peer-to-peer -peer network and they'll reject it. And so that's why it's immutable, quote unquote. Like you cannot just change transactions that have occurred, um, which is, which is always funny. When I hear people say, oh my God, Bitcoin is used it, it, for fraud. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, actually Bitcoin is one of the best. Let me talk about that. <laughs> Everything like, is used for fraud though. And, like, but but it, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not denying that Bitcoin could be sent by fraudsters, so another fraudster, but the transaction itself will not be changed because the transaction will yeah. be on the blockchain. And that transaction itself mm -hmm. cannot, like, compared to fiat, I can manipulate numbers. People can book numbers, like, and they can manipulate the books. You can't do that with Bitcoin because it's on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right? That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, anyways, but going back to so Bitcoin, also can be verifiable. It's literally verified within minutes compared to gold. And transaction is easier because um, I can transact over a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin if I had it, technically. Whereas with gold, it's. Um, it's gonna be hard to transport a billion dollars worth of gold, right? Yeah, somebody did that recently as well. Like, um, I was on Twitter and I saw that somebody um, changed hands of $130 million and they paid $100. Yeah, I saw. Did you retweet that? He paid 100 what? Yeah, I think um, I saw that. They um, changed $130 million from one person to another person with $100 worth of fees. $100 worth of fees? $100 worth of fees. Like the, the total fees for the transaction was just about a hundred dollars, and then somebody was like, 
can you do that at your conventional bank? And I was like, you really can. You really can, yeah. Yeah. And then you can talk about, right. you, you can talk about Ethereum to another day and the fees and <laughs> yeah, everything. We, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about all that stuff. Bitcoin, we'll have an episode for Bitcoin. We'll just go crazy on Bitcoin. And yeah, yeah, for sure. All that stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Um. Let's talk about options. That's where my guys are. Like, you know, that's yeah. like a <laughs> good, good spot. Options. I went, almost went bust one time with options. So um, I took it back a little bit and I'm studying again. So I don't work with options that much. Yeah. But I know OC plays with options. He fair. I think he's he plays with options a little bit. So you guys can go ahead and talk about that. Fair one, take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll start because I think I have the more critical... <laughs> the point of view. So yeah. op- options, I'll, I'll do it like this. In general terms, option is the high risk, high reward, um, competitive alternative to buying stock, right? So like you could buy, so I- I'm sure OC will get into the whole, the Greeks and everything, but let me just start with like, you know, let me give like my story. So I've been trading stock. So for instance, if you buy a stock for a dollar and it goes to $2, you make one dollar, right? One dollar, yeah. <laughs> Option. There's a whole bunch of Greek alphabet that you have. You have to know the delta, the gamma. So, like for instance, if you buy a stock at one dollar and the delta is that if this stock goes up by one dollar, there's a move, a point six move. That means you make sixty dollars. So at first, most most retail traders they don't understand anything about this. Yeah. So like for instance. The first option I bought was Tesla. And I was like, I don't believe in paper trading because I, I feel like it's, you have a different mindset, right? I want to see myself losing money so I know how I feel. So I bought Tesla options. First option I bought. I made like $1,000, <laughs> 1300 yeah. I was like, bang, bang. I'm out here. Beginner's luck. I'm about to be a millionaire, right? Yeah. I held it over the weekend. Tesla had an option. <laughs> I lost two thousand dollars Monday morning opening. And I was like, "I'm Yo, not." I remember this day. I was like, I, "Me and Joseph were hanging out," and I was like, "Bro, I can't drive right now. I'm watching my stock. I'm watching my stock." Like, <laughs> I was day trading the option, and I was like, you know, God, like "If you're a professional trader, day trade options. If you're not a professional day trader, do not day yeah. trade options." Yeah, you don't even. I'm no, not even to jump in. Like professional traders, not all professional traders even swing. Tra- that's the thing I've learned. That's the that's the biggest thing that I say. I ha- I must confess I've learned. Only twelve percent there about twelve to five fifteen percent because I've, I've I've been in a lot of this chat room. People, a lot of people are do do swing trading because mm. day trading is a really 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 tough skill. The, the best day trader on the internet, his name is Madaz Trading. I always retweet him. Like he's yeah, I see that. Yeah, let me. If you, if you if you if you follow me, I'll, I'll need to get. Let me let me see if I can pull out. Yeah, so just for those listening, they can. His name is Madaz M A D A Z N Football F O O T B A L L then R. Best day trader on the internet by far. This is a dude that literally he doesn't hold positions beyond the day. He literally trades um, price actions within the day. He scalp trades and he day trades, and at the end of the day. He just cashes out. So he does that literally every day. That's a that's literally the definition of a day trader. He does not hold positions overnight. He's his trades are literally sometimes he makes like four or five trades. Each trades are like five to ten seconds. So they're not like literally positions he holds beyond. Like he literally just 
trades price action. Like he sees a quick pump. He, but then again, he has a lot of, he has a large account. So like he knows what he's doing. Also he, he does, he uses margin too. He margins trades. So if he, you know, he'll borrow money against the exchange margin trade, sell, take his profit and give the exchange back the margin he traded. So he's the perfect definition of a day trader, right? Most traders swing trade. They take positions. Mm. It could be they hold over the overnight for one, two, three days and they sell, they buy on Monday, sell on Friday, buy on Monday, sell the next week, take a longer term position. So you see most traders are swing traders because day trading, I think is the hardest skill. You could be a very successful, you can see a price. So, the reason why most people do swing trading, and I'll talk about this a little bit. I, I like this. The, I like this right now. Yeah, the, yeah, I like this position you're on right now. Yeah, I, yeah. The phrase on the opposite position because. Yeah, no. The reason why people do swing trading is because the, the truth of the matter is, of course, we know technical analysis. We know our RSI's. We know our MACD's. We know like our volume indicators. We know the MAs. We know the Fibonacci. We know the candlestick patterns, um, pennants. You know, we know all those patterns, the diamond pattern, whatever. People need to realize this. The wider out your time view. So when, when you're going from the hourly chart to the daily chart, the less the noise in the sense that these patterns tend to be more technical or textbook per se. So the things you know about all these patterns, like, okay, let me say a breakout from a bull pendant typically hits this price target. That tends to be more true and there's less noise when you zoom out. So when yeah. you're trading intraday versus intraday. So that's why I personally always use the daily chart. As a, If I was a day trader, obviously I want to use the hourly chart or the minute chart. I use the daily chart because I look at zooming out. And so for me, it makes no sense for me. I also, I do that because again, there's less noise. So if I see a bull pennant on the daily chart versus a bull pennant on the weekly chart, the daily, so when I say, sorry, versus the hourly chart, or a blueprint on a weekly chart versus a daily chart. Again, the more I zoom out, the more it's true. Like the, the, the textbook play is more likely to be true. So that's to say a blueprint on a weekly chart is more likely to be true than a blueprint on a daily chart and a blueprint on an hourly chart. There's a blueprint on a, um, a minute chart. But the more out you zoom, also the longer time you need to give for your play. Think about it. If I'm trading a bull pennant on a weekly chart, I can't say, oh, I'm going to buy an option on Monday with an expiry on Friday. I think, okay, the, the breakout will occur within three, four days. Now, if I'm printing on a weekly chart, I need to probably need to give myself two, three, four, five weeks for the pattern to play out. And so that's why, if you think about it, a lot of people are, are swing traders because, one, you're more likely to be successful trading the more you zoom out on your timeline because it's, you're more likely to have a textbook play, right? When I say mm -hmm. textbook play, that means following what you learned with investing, trading, all, all of these books, right? But because of that, you also have to give more time for your plays to play out because there's something, this time there's false breakouts, there's consolidations, there's different things that happen. And so even though I had the idea, I had the trade, it was going to be a breakout from a bullpen. And if I only give it, five days to play out, I could lose my money versus if I had given it like two, three, four weeks to play out and I could have made serious bread, you know? So most people are swing traders. That's why I'm big on swing trading. But of course, could you, if you're a good day trader, don't get me wrong, day trade. But then again, like what you felt was hinting at, you have to be a professional day trader. Not everyone exactly. is investing. Like when I say professional day trader, also let me, let me, let me make this clear. 
I don't care what anybody says. You cannot be a professional day trader. You're not doing it full time. If that is not your full time exactly. job, if that is if yeah. if if you don't wake up at nine a.m. Eastern, have your screens and sit there. Obviously, you have your naps and your breaks. Like there's always like your naps and your breaks to take. And most people always take that around eleven thirty to one because then the market is always choppy during yeah. that time intraday, anyways. Because it's a intraday like they call it. Um, Wall Street lunch break. Like, so everybody goes on break. <laughs> and so like price action yeah. and volumes like dips. But if you're not there full time focusing on your trades. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're not, you did. In fact, the only professional day traders I've seen that are not full time day traders are crypto day traders. And that's because they trade during, because crypto is 24 seven, right? So they trade during nighttime US because it's morning time in Asia and Asia people be dumping, bro. So it's almost like, it's almost like a crazy, it's not like a trade pattern. Like they just short sell for like two, two, three hours during when age. Cause sometimes most times you see Bitcoin dip is in the nighttime. That's cause like yeah. the miners from Asia have dumped their Bitcoin to sell in the market. And cause of obviously majority of the Bitcoin mining is concentrated in um, China. So yeah. yeah so we anyway, talked about that on Twitter. Yeah, so not, not to go too deep into it, but I mean, for me, options, right? So options, of course, there's the Greeks, there's the deltas, like if I mentioned the theta, people don't realize time decay, like the theta for not this current bull run in GameStop, but the last bull run, if you bought, I can't remember the day, but I know the theta was so insane that literally theta is essentially, um, it's, it's a way of measuring the time decay and value of an option as it, as it nears expiry. So basically okay. it was the same day it was expiring, the same Friday, and like, I think like it was losing value of like hundred dollars every hour, which was crazy. And that was not because of price. That was just by virtue of it is nearing its expiry. Also, Theta is more intense when you're dealing with out of the money options versus in the money options. Delta, like if I was hinting, is the underlying move in the price of an options contract with $1 or one unit price in the underlying stock. So basically if a Theta is um, 2.6, for instance, let's say that's, that's if a Delta is 2.6, sorry. Which is pretty high. So I'm gonna say if the stock should move one dollar, the contract will move the price of a contract will move two point six dollars, right? But remember, one contract contains hundred shares, so that means that um it, the the total value you get is two point six times hundred, which is two hundred and sixty dollars. So again, that's just an example. But to know more, learn more about options trading. There's something called optionalpha.com o-p-t-i-o-n-a-l-p-h-a.com yes, i think it's the it's free 100 free i think it's the best options trading course out there and also i talk about like tickers and other tips like with accumulation and distribution timing your entry and other things with technical analysis on my patreon so if you're trying to learn more and understand that sign up and also on my twitter page there's like current reviews and like feedback from current patrons so you can check that out as well so yeah, I just wanted to right. into something David said. You know, he mentioned the the wider out the time frame. So let's say you have like a bull print on the um the monthly time frame, right? And this is where you should get like your difference between equities and options, right? For instance, the farther out you go in an options contract, the more expensive an option is going to be. So for instance, an option that's expiring on Friday is maybe gonna be a hundred dollars, right? Well, it's going to be worth $100. And uh -huh. option expiring in 24 months or 12 months or... Yeah. Yeah. $1,000, right? Yeah. So for instance, I like 
my long-term swings, right? So a reason why I don't have options for them is because those options are going to pass my 1% to 2% of my portfolio. Uh-huh. Right? So that's why I like my equities. For instance, if I see a bull pennant or I see a channel on the daily chart or on the monthly or the weekly chart, and I, and I look and I'm like, okay, the swing from this high to this low was like two months. I'm not going to buy an option for that if it's past my 2%, right? So, like, that's a certain thing you should get. If you cannot afford an option, don't buy an option because you will blow your account. Yeah. 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 So, like, trading is risk management. Like, yeah, it's not it's not luck. It's not luck, yeah. be lucky. Yeah. It's definitely not luck. Like, <laughs> well, the whole GameStop thing. I had puts in GameStop, and I was like... Yeah, I think I'm blown out, right? <laughs> no, the thing is, the thing is, I had puts in GameStop at AMC when it was at its peak. Yeah. It tanked, like, GameStop tanked, like, $200, $300, and I still lost. Because the volatility was decreasing. All right. I was losing value because IV was Oh, you look, your IV was reducing, so you lost value anyway, you put in the attack. Yeah, okay, that's another thing. People, people need to really understand implied volatility, I promise you. Understanding yeah. implied volatility with options is your friend. Again, the option alpha course goes over it, but implied volatility is not only good in terms of understanding how it could affect the price of your contract, but also implied volatility is your friend when it comes to setting price targets using statistics, so one to two standard deviation. So one standard deviation, one sigma, I think that's about 63% probability of hitting a certain price. Yeah. And um, implied volatility is your friend there because that's actually, so I use options trading for when I say long-term swings. So I sometimes if I, every first of the year um, I buy, I look at certain tickers that I feel like are just going to be bullish in the year. And then I buy like a long-term swing that expires the next year, January. Part of what I use to set my strike price is implied volatility and also the timeline that I'm buying at. And I talk about that on my Patreon, actually, exactly how to do that. So setting price targets for long-term swings using implied volatility to set your strike price for your options. So that's also on my Patreon. Yeah, yeah. yeah these guys could talk about options all day. So yeah. we'll probably, don't let's drown you out with this options talk. We'll probably have another episode where we just go into this stuff. But basically, if you're starting out, Please don't play with options yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> or anything in the derivative markets. Like focus on stocks and other things and just work your way up. And paper um, trade. Just to paper trade as well. I'll yeah, say definitely. And um just to round up like the last thing we talk about, um, let's talk about like the different um trading like strategies and like mm-hmm. um investment strategies, how you like how you look at things and what you you've talked about your strategies a little bit, but just um some other things you do. Any fair you go. Oh, yeah. So, like, I've, like, classified the types of strategies. Let me not not say strategy. Let me say movements. I've classified the types of movements into four. We have the fundamental moves, the technical moves. Then we have two more. I'll call them the news or the catalyst moves. And then we have the theme moves. So, for instance, I like technical trading, but I also like catalyst trading, right? So, for instance, a technical trade would be like, oh, look at support. Look at resistance, look at the Fibonacci levels, you know, all that boring stuff that us geeks like, right? News, like us fundamental news, you're looking at the, oh, I believe that this company, they have a 10% increase in their PE ratio per year. Right now, the PE value would price their stock at 120. If they have another 5% move, they'll put them at 130, okay? So you hold for the quarter, you make your $10 profit, right? That would be a fundamental move. A theme move would be like, okay, Joe Biden just signed weed. He wants weed <laughs> to do the 
You know, our stocks are getting high. You feel me? Everybody's high. Everybody's on the THC. You feel me? That's the team. <laughs> all the weed stocks are running, 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 running. All the weed stocks. During the GameStop short, all the short, all the highly shorted stocks were getting pumped. That would be like a whole theme. And then like the catalyst moves are like symphony. Like for instance, Bitcoin moves all the Bitcoin stocks. So for instance, um, you know, there's a lot of Bitcoin stuff. Like look at um, like look at Mara. Mara was below five and it's look at it now. From penny levels to, you know, it, they're a big boy now, right? And that's like yeah. old catalyst. Bitcoin pumped Mara. So like those are four different types of um four different types of plays you can make. Me personally, I like the technical trades because you find your demand line, you find your support line, and I just trade in between the levels. And it's been working for me. Use my MAs, find confluences. Okay, my 200 is meeting up with my demand, with my um, support. That's a good place to, um, to buy because the institutions might buy at that level too. So, like, that's something I do. Like, I prefer, prefer like, the technicals. I leave all the, you know, fundamental trades to David. He's the, you know... You guys going into the spreadsheets, you know. Technical <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree with that, man. Like, catalyst trading is something that I'm, I admit, I'm getting more open to. I don't do a ton of it, but I mean, shit. Like, I've been, I've been playing Bitcoin stocks this year, man. That's, that's been straight cash. Stupid um, cash. Yeah. Straight cash, right? And there's even one I posted for patrons. Uh, coming up for Monday, what's today's date? So Monday, March 15, 2021, because Bitcoin just hit 60K today. And I feel like if you get a weekly close above 60K today, that Bitcoin play for Monday is going to be crazy. So I'm definitely getting more open to that. But for me, on a fundamental level, I look at investing in two branches. There's value investing and there's momentum investing. And every other investing yeah. falls under both. So value investing is more on the fundamental side. So I'm looking at, okay, I fundamentally can assign a value, and most times you can do it via your PE ratio. So you can say, okay, who's the leader of a certain sector? What is their PE ratio? What is the average PE ratio for that sector? Okay, so compare, based on a PE ratio for that compared to the sector, what ratio? So for instance, if, if I look at e-commerce, I'll look at Amazon, right? If I'm just giving like an example. So I'll say, okay, and again, obviously this is just a very fun, there, there are much more that goes into valuing a company, but I'm just saying on a very, basic rudimentary rate of value. I can say, okay, Amazon has twice the PE ratio of e-commerce. Amazon's price now is, let's just say, I, I, can't, I haven't checked Amazon's price in a minute because I'm not invested in Amazon personally, but let's say 3,500. I don't know. I'm just giving a number out there. And let's say even if the industry's PE ratio was half that, I'll say, okay, well, um, compared to so Amazon is 3,500, right? So 3,500 divided by two, that's 17. 50, right? Yeah, 1750. So I'll say, okay, if I find another company that is one and a half times the P, so remember Amazon was two, twice the P ratio of the industry. If I find a company that's one and a half times the P ratio of the industry, on average, I just do 1750 times one and a half. So the, the, the price should be around 2600. So let's say I find mm. a company that has one and a half times the P ratio as the industry, right? Um, and let's say the price is only, uh, let's say the price it's only right now is only trading at, um, um, I'm just going to say, let's say 1200. So we've already valued it at 2,600 prices at 1200. So in that case, we're saying that based on our quick math, 
this stock is undervalued compared to its true value using the leader of that sector. And then obviously then you can get to the argument, well, okay, well, is Amazon overvalued to begin with and so on and so forth. But of course, you know, you do your due diligence there, but let's just say for the sake of argument, if we classify that as an undervalued stock, then that's a, that's a perfect example of a value stock. So value stock is a stock that is undervalued in the market compared to uh, value that you've assessed or determined one way or the other. And there are different ways to determine the value. So that, again, that falls more in the, the side of fundamental of value right. investing, right? Yeah. Momentum investing is basically saying, okay, I look at a stock, I look at the um, annualized growth rates, so percent returns essentially in, in short, for the past five years, averaged out, and I wanted to hit 75% on average for the past five years. So that's simply saying, okay, it's a simple, it's, it's simple regression and forecasting, right? If the returns in the past five years have hit at least 75%, I'm willing to guess that the return in the next year will be at least 75% as well. So it's basically looking back and saying, okay, for instance, if you know a company, for instance, like Square, that has been definitely hit that, that's an example of a momentum stock. So you, you would determine what that threshold is to you. But that said, the beauty about momentum investing and value investing is that they're, they're crossovers. Yeah. Square, while Square is a momentum stock because it's hit, I think Square, Square's hit 120% returns for the past five years. It's also yeah. a, value, it's a value stock in the sense that looking at the total market share that fintech could grab in the future, looking at five, 10 yeah. years, especially with the, with, um, the incoming advances going on in cryptocurrency and decentralizing finance in general, compared to its potential, it is undervalued, right? And so, but people could make the argument that it, with its current finances and financials statements and the current PE ratio for the industry, it is very much yeah. priced in at where it should be at. So again, it depends on what you're determining as, you know, the value, what are you looking at, the potential market. Like Jumia is a good example. I think Jumia's market cap should be well in the 20, 30, 40 billions as being the largest e-commerce player in Africa, right? Jumia yeah. now is less than 10 billion. I think Jumia last I checked was under 5 billion market cap. So that's an example of something I'll say is um, underpriced and is a value stock based on its potential and what it should be at. Yeah, market cap for Jumia right now is 3.29 billion. So I think its market cap should be 10, 10x of that, right? Yeah. So again, it really depends on what, what you determine as value and how you want to assess. So again, just to summarize, value investing momentum investing and there's definitely crossovers yeah okay that's what's up yeah um for myself I, i'll say i'm still like figuring it out because mm-hmm. i was i'm somewhere in the middle more on the value side because intelligent investor and i think the goat of investing is warren buffett and he's definitely <laughs> you know at the same time is a different time you know what yes. i'm saying like yeah. it's a different time there's more momentum there's more groups like most of like the technology companies, they're more um, good companies. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'll say 60 of value investing, good investing about 40%, um, pretty much. Yo guys, we're rounding, we're here in an hour. So I think we should be rounding up. Yeah. This was like, this was like fun. Yeah. Man, shout out to you guys, man. Shout out to the first episode of Finance and Vibes. If you guys have anything to like plug in, OC, David, um, just go ahead. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Um, no, no, don't follow my personal page because I've been talking <laughs> shit. But follow my business page, Easy. So letter E, letter Z, 
finances, the number four and the letter U. So easy finances for you, letter E, letter Z, finances, the number four and the letter U. Let's go. Oh yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter, Instagram. You know, once in a while I drop a couple of charts. I mean, most of the charts I put out have played out very nicely. So, you know, my Twitter right, is right. fast. So A-K-T-I-V-E-I-F-E, you know, active man, you know. That's pretty much it. All right. You guys can follow me on Twitter on Twitter at um Joe underscore D underscore Don. Um, I don't drop anything on there. Just talk, just whatever I feel on my mind, I say. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Hope you guys love the episode. Shout out to you guys, man. Love you. So. Peace out.